dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. Anyone who wants to be successful in leadership needs to be really good at working with people. The more a leader understands human behavior, the more effectively they'll deal with it and reach the goals of their organization and their mission. This is where St. Thomas Aquinas gives us a distinct advantage. He represents a wealth of knowledge coming from the Catholic tradition about how we work, how our hearts work, how we make decisions. And in this fifth part of our series, we look at how he solves the problems of when people just don't want to work. Hey everybody, welcome back again. I'm glad to be with you and have this opportunity to go deeper in our understanding of what St. Thomas Aquinas teaches us about understanding who our people are that are working for us. Now, of course, I'm going to use it in the business setting, but if you could apply this into your family, with your children, of course. You could apply this with your spouses, right? Sometimes that's the, the biggest problem, after all, that we deal with every day. It's a situation that we face no matter what we, we do, and that is we're helping people to do things. We want to get them to move, and they just don't want to. I'll give you an example. Think about it in marketing, right? When you, you have the best product, you've got just the right price, you've got everything going for you, and then you've got to try to get someone to buy. Well, they're not interested. How do you get someone interested to buy for you so that when you provide them with your product for a price, you're actually doing them a favor. They're thanking you for selling your product to them, right? That's kind of the goal. And that'd be amazing, right? And, that, and that's what a successful business will do. People will need you. They've been convinced that your product aligns with what they need in their life. Right. So if it's not a product, it could be a service. You know, we have to go to this restaurant. We have to pay, you know, an extra amount of money at this restaurant. We need this dentist. Right. And it's because there's something that's aligned in what you do with their deeper needs inside. And, and when you do that, bam, you've got a successful business. Now, of course, the same thing with parenting. It's just, it's what leaders do. Leaders work to make themselves the servants of the people that they lead. You learn how to become useful to them so that your leadership is not a question of them, you know, you pulling them along. It's a question of you guiding them as they drive towards what you're doing. You position yourself, in other words, not as the hero of the journey, but as the sage, the, the wise person who's counseling the hero, which is them, of course, towards the action that's going to make them happy. And of course, if you stand to profit from that, well, that's wonderful. But you, you make your business much bigger than that. It's not about that. We're not just doing dental care. We're not just, you know, fixing cars. We're not just mowing lawns. We're, we're doing something that's actually helping our customers to advance in their life. That gives you a lot more satisfaction and also will make you more successful in your business, right? Well, it'll also make you successful in your, in your parenting at home. Because the kids are more likely to obey and cooperate with someone who seems like they're put, you know, helping them to achieve whatever it is that they're trying to be, their happiness in life. 
So, you know, even as we parent and correct, we need to learn how to frame everything that we do in that fundamental attitude of service, right? That I am here to help you. And yes, you'll, have, you'll, you'll pay me for it, but that doesn't really matter. I'm here to help you. And of course, in our leadership, whatever it is, that's the key to great leadership. People will fight for, follow behind, support and cheer on any leader who they think is actually helping them, supporting them. And so, of course, you see where, I mean, the Catholic tradition here, the Christian tradition, it it fits hand in glove with this because we produce servant leaders. We lead like Christ as a service. We take our talents, our passion, our drive, and we fold them underneath the people that we're serving to lift them up. And, And if I could bring that into my company's culture and make my whole company's culture not about profit and not about, you know, a career, but about that active service that we're providing, where we're going to provide a company culture that itself is life-giving. We've introduced the transcendent, right? The, the ultimate meaning of things, the service of other people, the genuine advancement of our society, the betterment of the world through our talents. And we've introduced that into our working environment. I mean, the job satisfaction there goes exponentially up. And, which is just amazing. I remember even when I was, I was a garbage man in, in small town, Ohio, right? And we we're on the garbage trucks throwing garbage, but we didn't call ourselves garbage men. We called ourselves sanitation engineers, <laughs> right? Because we, we saw ourselves as, as orchestrating this wonderful event that takes place in every small town called the, the garbage day. And you're taking the garbage out, you're reducing diseases and you're beautifying the city and you're, you're increasing property values. I mean, you have all these different things that made you feel proud of your work. And by looking at ourselves that way, well, I mean, that's the right way to look at it. So you can almost look at how do you look at your jobs? Are you looking at your jobs like God looks at them? You, you have the right as a Christian to look at your work as God does, to have the, his perspective on it. And his perspective on it is a lot broader than I'm helping the company to make a lot of money so that then we can buy an extra house. Like the, the, that might happen, but that's not the goal. That's the effect, right? And the goal is got to be, we're here to help this world to improve by rendering a valuable service with justice, with quality, you know, and with integrity in a way that benefits not just them, but all of those who work for us and interact with us. And this is so St. Thomas Aquinas steps in. He's this friar, right, from the, from the 13th century. Ah, yes, but he, he dictates out, spells out a wisdom about humanity, uh, an understanding of how the human person functions and works that if we can look into it, peer into it, we can, we can learn so much that will help us as we lead in the various aspects of our life, again, from our parenting to our spouse to, to working in the culture, because it all is the same thing. A leader works with people. And the more that you understand how people work, the better you will work with people. Right? So St. Thomas Aquinas comes in and he maps this out for us marvelously. And he says that a decision is made by somebody's mind, listening to their heart. And so if we're going to help people to make good decisions, we need to present the truth to them in a way that speaks to their appetite, their desire, their heart, their passion, right? For life. I, I learn this all the time as a speaker because people will listen to speakers that are engaging. No matter how wonderful your thought is, if you can't deliver it in a way that seems meaningful to your audience, the people, it's not going to be effective. 
You can have the most wonderful thinking ever, but if you can't put it in a, a way that people can listen to you, then, then your message will stay sterile. So much of the meaning of, the, of what we have to say comes by the way we deliver it. In a, in a, we, so we need to deliver it in a way that people want to hear, that they'll listen to. Well, it's true for speakers, and it's also true for your leadership. Right? How is it that I can get my people to engage from the heart? And this St. Thomas Aquinas shows us just beautifully. He says, you know, the very first thing that a person does is they see whether or not what you're talking about connects with their fulfillment. That's Aquinas. This is not some sort of marketing guru from, the, from this, you know, the 10 years ago. This is St. Thomas Aquinas, 13th century. He says, the person's heart needs to want it. And once they want it, then they deliberate and they ask counsel and they try to find the best way to do it. And then they come to this step where they have to engage their faculties, their powers, their resources towards making it real. And that's what I want to focus in with you today. How do we help people to get over that one inch gap that exists between where they are and where they can be, right? How do we help them to engage when they know that they want something and pass from wanting it in, in a passive way into wanting it in an effective way by action. There's a lot to be said here, and Aquinas really goes deep into the subject. Would you like to hear more from Father Nathan? Join the St. John Leadership Network and receive a two-minute glance at the gospel every Sunday morning right to your phone. To learn more, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org member and join for free today. All right, so we're reading St. Thomas Aquinas' Summa of Theology. And, and here we're taking a look, especially at the first part of the second part, question 16. He talks about moving from the stage of making a decision into action. You can have all the best intentions. You can have all the greatest thoughts about how to do something, a wonderful plan. But if you don't actually engage, then nothing will happen. This is a problem that a lot of people face. Folks just don't want to move. They don't want to pass into action. And yet they'll know what's right. You know, we all think, okay, I'm going to go on a diet. I'm going to start to work out. I'm going to take my spouse on a date night. You know, I'm, I'm going to give more money to the church. I'm going to, you know, vote this way or that way. But we can't even mow the lawn, you know? I mean, moving, getting ourselves up off the couch and moving in, our, in the direction of our life that we want to go, if we can solve for that, we'll solve for a lot of the problems that we face, a lot of the challenges that are in front of us. And so what does Aquinas have to say about that? Well, first of all, he makes a distinction between having a goal in your heart and having it in reality. And he says both are necessary. The first thing that you need is to fall in love with the idea of achieving the great goal that you want to achieve, okay? And, and, and not only in you, but in your people. Communicating as a leader this desire for what you're trying to bring them towards, what, what they want to achieve, what you want to do together. And of course, this is a, a dreamy kind of phase. And a lot of people, therefore, you know, bypass it. They say, oh, all of that's just, you know, smoke and mirrors, or that's just marketing. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say it's, it's smoke and mirrors, but it, it is marketing, right? Like that's the power of marketing is that they get the people, you inside to want to engage. 
Because if you don't work hard enough at that first stage to really get the people to want to engage, they won't engage except for money. They'll engage on the outside. They'll engage superficially. We all see this. It's like our kids. You know, you want them to clean up their rooms. Well, you have to force them, you know, under threat of all kinds of punishments and consequences to clean up their rooms. How do you get to be like those other kids? <laughs> How can you get your kids to be like them who just kind of like clean up the room because it's a good thing to do and they want to do it? Well, we all scratch our heads and we say, well, it's impossible. Well, no, it's not impossible. Aquinas lays out, he says, there's two things. If you want the person to attain the, the good that they want, their goal in reality, you have to spend time getting them to want that goal and by putting it into their heart. So there's, we can think about the different ways to do that. You can do that orally by painting a beautiful picture. You could do that by experience, by having them go to a place or having them see what the good thing is that it's like. You can do it by relationship, you know, by doing it along with them. I mean, we, we, if you're in the business world, it's the same thing. You're trying to get someone to step in to more effective action. Well, there's ways that you can, you can inculcate that. You can develop that in the person. But it all starts in the same way, by allowing that person to say they want it. They, they, they want this. So, of course, we use incentives. We use bonus structures. We use, you know, all kinds of praise. We use different things to do it. But it, it's got to come from inside that person. And the deeper that, that root, those roots are in that person's heart where they're saying, I'm coming to work. I'm doing this project. I'm moving the ball forward because I want to. Well, well the greater their satisfaction is going to be and also the better off the work is going to be. So again, put this in your families, put this in your spouses, put this in your relatives. Anywhere you desire to make an impact with people, the, the half of the battle is having the person themselves desiring the end goal like you do. And so take some time with that. Sit back with that and plan out your approach in your conversations to say like, how is it that I can, I can paint this picture so that the person sees themselves in the picture? And we know that then that, that's only the first step. From there, we have to move to the next step, which is to actually attain that goal in reality. And Aquinas actually makes a little, little statement here. He says, if you only have it on the inside, you have it imperfectly, this, this goal imperfectly. It, to have it in reality, ah, that's when you have it perfectly. And this is really important too, because a lot of times, especially if you're in a business environment or the productive environment, not just business, but I mean, it's like you, there's always something else that needs to be done. And we don't necessarily stop enough to reward the good work that we've done. I mean, to actually celebrate the victories. I mean, we actually have, we went out, out to get a bird that was in the bush and we have the bird now in our hand, right? That's worth two in the bush. A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, right? Like we've achieved something. Well, the, the worst thing that we can do is then just immediately say, okay, there's the next thing, right? Because then the person says, well, I mean, like you got me to want this goal. Then I got to that goal and there was no celebration. It was almost like the goal didn't really exist. No, no, no. Goals really exist. They really exist as something we want to achieve, which means we need to stop and rest when we've achieved them and give some modicum of celebration. I mean, you know, I mean, it might be a pat on the back. It might be a good job. It might also be a day off. It might be a celebration or, you know, around, you know, the work table, but it, but it needs to be there and it needs to be there for you too. It's not just because you're the leader that you think that you don't need to celebrate. 
You know, I laugh about this a lot because, you know, I run a nonprofit. And then in the nonprofit, we're always looking at revenue generation, you know, because, of course, it comes from donations of good people that, 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 that help us out. And so we have all, you know, these goals to achieve, you know, of growth, and therefore you need revenue for that. And I always tell people I get one day a year where I get to celebrate. That's December 31st. <laughs> because January 1st, we go right back to zero again to do it for another year, you know. But I do, I do stop on December 31st and I do celebrate. And I look back to God and I give thanks and I, and, I, and I smile and I say, we did it. We did it for another year. We're going to do it for another one to come. But that celebration is just such an important moment for us to develop. Because Aquinas is saying, realize what you have. When you finally achieved a goal, you have a good you desired in reality. I think it's something that we need to, to note and also remember also for our young people today who are so used to everything being virtual that they, they, they've lost the sense of what that means to actually do something. You know, when you play with video games where you have an infinite number of lives, the consequences don't seem to really matter as much. When you spend your time texting someone who's sitting next to you, <laughs> you could wonder whether or not you've lost the value of a real conversation, right? In the world like this, this is where we need to, we have a moment where we can really step forward and talk about and celebrate effectively what we've really achieved. Because in fact, the virtual world for as great as it is, it's also not nearly as powerful as a real celebration and a real award for really achieving something with your life. One time I met a, a young person who played Guitar Hero. Guitar Hero was a video game where you give you a toy that looks like a guitar and you move your hand and then you play the guitar. Guitar Hero. And this kid said that he was actually dropping out of school so that he could be a professional Guitar Hero player. <laughs> he gets sponsors as the whole world behind this and he was going to compete in some international guitar competition i said do you play the guitar he said no i don't know how to play the guitar <laughs> so i said let me get this straight you're going to make a professional living based on something that you can't do like you can't play the guitar <laughs> and people are going to pay you to not be able to play the guitar so you can play it, you know, simu in a simulated fashion on the video games. And he said, yes, that's it. You know, then I just stared at him and we, we had a good little chuckle about it, you know. But that's so different because a lot of us will approach life that way. We'll just kind of act like it doesn't matter if we smile at our wife. We'll act like it doesn't really matter at what school our kids go to. We'll say it doesn't really matter whether or not, you know, someone actually cleans their room. We don't reward reality enough. Well, then what we get is everybody who's sitting on their couch and wondering who they are and not knowing what they want in life. And it comes from the fact that we allowed having the good in your will, in your heart to be enough. And for Aquinas, no, 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 it's not enough. You need to now achieve it and you achieve it in reality when you pass into action. And that's what I want to look at next. Would you like to start your Thursday mornings with a scriptural leadership lesson? Join the St. John Leadership Network, where Father Nathan hosts a 30-minute call at 6.30 a.m. in all four U.S. time zones. To learn more, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org member and join for free today. 
one of the great things about approaching our leadership from a Christian perspective is that we get to receive the wisdom of the word of God and the, the Catholic tradition of 2000 years of thinking and apply it to the real concrete issues that we have in front of us today. And one of the biggest struggles that we all have is trying to motivate people to actually do the great things that they are capable of. How do you solve the problem of someone who just doesn't want to move? Well, so Thomas Aquinas says you first start by trying to get them to really want the, the end goal, but then you need to pass into action. And it's an amazing insight that he gives us here by saying that that passing into action is a question of the will. Okay, the will, the power that we have inside of us to want something that is outside of us is called will. You can, if you want to get technical, it's called the appetite for the good. But it's, it's an inclination, he says, almost like if you were to take a, a board and then tip it, right? Then anything you put on that board would roll down in the direction that it's tipped. Well, Aquinas says the human person has that kind of interior board inside of them. And when you fall in love or when you want something, when, you, when you're motivated, that board tips. And then the person is now pushed and pushing themselves to achieve that which has tipped their balance right towards it, that which draws them. They, they want something they're full of a desire of an appetite. Okay, and so that power is extremely, extremely powerful. We all know this. This is what drives behaviors. This is what's at the source of action. Well, Aquinas says that moving someone into action is a question of moving their will. And when we motivate a person's will, what we're doing is we're then convincing them, so to speak, right? Or we're getting them to apply their talents, their powers of mind, their resources, their energy, and an external function in order to gain the goal. So how do I get you to write this paper? Well, if I can motivate your will, then you would start to think correctly. You would then align the words in the paper. You would get the paper done and you would send it out on time. Okay, but everything starts not with just the, the slave-like functioning of the person, type, open your computer, do these things, right? Something you can pay someone to do on the outside. But we do that all the time, right? We have people that work for us, but they're not really good workers, right? And how, how, why is that? Well, they're just doing it for a paycheck. And that means if they just stay in the middle of the pack, you can't fire them. If you can't fire them, they'll continue to get paid, but they really don't give a darn. And you could, uh, customer service is like this all the time. If you're in a service industry, it can drive you crazy. Why, why don't these people make eye contact? Why don't they shake hands? Why don't they want it as badly as I do? I remember looking, I went to the, the original headquarters, the founding restaurant with, for Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken. And you know what I found? All in there's little, they had the museum there of the original spot, the original kitchen that Colonel Sanders started this whole chain of restaurants from. And what do you find in there? Pictures of Colonel Sanders in the kitchen himself. He was the first one and he, no one was better at it than Colonel Sanders. His customer service, his attentiveness, he would invent things, find things because he wanted it. And because that desire was there, 
he then used the external circumstances in order to make the business grow. I'm thinking of an example. He, he, he had a hotel that was attached to his restaurant so that he could gain even more revenue. And so to get the people to stay in the hotel, he, he created a model bedroom of what the hotel rooms looked like. And he made it beautiful, put a phone there, everything white and clean. And he put it between the kitchen and the bathroom so that the people in order to get to the bathroom would have to walk through the model hotel room and then say, shoot, why don't we just stay here for the night? And it worked, right? Like, so there's an example. He wants people to come to his restaurant, wants people to come to his hotel. So he then develops a new method using his mind, his talents to arrange the bed, arrange the phone, tell it. And he thought to himself, the thing is everyone worries that motels are not going to be clean. So he showed everyone just how clean it was. And then he forced everyone to walk through it in order to go to the bathroom. I mean, it's just a kind of a genius move, right? That's the demonstration of someone who's effective in their work. And our leadership needs to bring people to be that effective, to get them to pass from wanting things to obtaining things, to doing things. And that passage begins with the will being motivated by wanting it themselves. And then the second thing, to have the facility to actually use the tools that are in front of them. So you can then ask yourself, are, am, are we spending enough time in training? Are we spending enough time in developing the talents that they need to, to use the things that we've trained them to do? Are we spending enough, to, are their work environments safe and clean? Do people enjoy being in their office space? What can I do that would allow all of the things that you need to do on a daily basis to be done better? Are your keyboards ergonomic? Are you, is your chair comfortable? You know, and you can go on and on and on different things, but think about the same thing with your families. If we want to have the behavior from the child, well, yeah, they might want it, but they might not know how to do it in the way that you want. They might not have at their hands all the tools that they need, the resources that they need in order to achieve that goal. And in the end, Aquinas says that's equally as important because we need to not just know what means we need to take, but we know, have to know how to take those means, okay? And that's when we pass into action, then we start to really glorify God. And this is where, of course, the Christian moment is so powerful for us because we're, we who are Christians, we insist that just having an intention about helping people is not helping people. And just having a warm feeling in our hearts is not peace. <laughs> the fact is, reality beckons us to rise up and meet it, to go out of ourselves, to choose the right way forward, and then to walk on that path so that the good that we want in our hearts will really be also, in reality, possessed by us. If I want peace in my family, then I need to start by saying I'm sorry to the people that I've hurt. Otherwise, we can talk about peace in the world all we want, but we don't have peace in the world if we don't have peace in our families, right? Who do, I, who do I need to apologize to? Who do I need to pray for? When we choose things and then do them, we glorify God, we find a pathway to genuine happiness in our own life, and we become true and effective leaders for those who are following us. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at communications at stjohninstitute.org. That's communications at stjohninstitute.org. And visit 
www.stjohninstitute.org and sign up for our newsletter to receive updates from Father Nathan.